Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, everyone. On today's show, we hear from postpartum doula, Kira. Growing up in foster care made it hard for Kira to connect with others, so when she struggled to bond with her baby in those first few days after giving birth, she felt it was her that was broken. Six years later, she conceived her second child, and although a complete surprise, she knew she wanted a different birth experience. A calm birth course and the right support around her ignited the confidence she needed to believe in and trust herself when making decisions that were unfavorable with the hospital. She describes her second birth as a deeply healing experience, giving her that instant connection she once believed was unreachable for her. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Kira. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Do you want to just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am from Sydney. I'm a mother of two. I've recently just started a doula business, so postpartum doula. Very exciting. Amazing. Um, So what do I do for work? I'm actually going back to work next month, which I'm a little bit sad about because Bubs is only seven months, but it's exciting. And were your pregnancies planned conceptions? Uh, both pregnancies were not planned. I had my first daughter when I was I fell pregnant when I was seventeen, and I had her at eighteen. Oh wow! And yeah, definitely not planned. What was that like being such a young mum? Uh, I think I was very, I don't want to say na- naive, but I just you know you're young, you think that everything's awesome, and it just I wasn't until I was a bit older that I really realised. You know, being a mum is being a mum for life. Yeah, full-time job. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so you obviously, being so young, wouldn't have known, I'm assuming, much about physiological birth? Uh, absolutely not. Yeah. And you, absolutely nothing. Um, I wish I knew more. Well, to be honest, I did know, I knew what I wanted out of my birth, but mm-hmm. I wasn't, I didn't know that you could have you know, all the choices that you want. And I didn't know that all the power, like, you know, it lies with you. Hmm. What was that pregnancy and birth like for you? 
a terrific pregnancy. Well, I would hope so. I was so young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good. It was a good pregnancy. Um, the birth. It wasn't. It wasn't until I had my second that I realized it wasn't all I wanted it to be because I really wanted to not give birth on my back. But by the end of it, because I had had different, like, you know, different pain meds and things, I was like, it's fine. I'm ready to sleep. So it was, I was just falling asleep in between contractions and yeah, it definitely wasn't the birth that I wanted, but I also didn't know about choices around, you know, antibiotics and fetal monitoring, um, all of these different things that I would have, if I had known, I probably would have been like, wait a minute. Yeah. I, I, I went in there going, this is what I want. Like I, I wanted a water birth. didn't really, I didn't know anything other than I wanted a water birth and not to give birth on my back. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't get either. And it was, yeah, I knew that I wanted delayed cord clamping, but um, my daughter had done a poop and had been a little bit unwell in there for a bit, which I didn't actually know until my waters popped, which they popped while I was pushing. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah. were you? how far along were you? And was it spontaneous labour or were you induced? So I was 39 weeks to the day, definitely not spontaneous because I was given a stretch and sweep about 12 hours before. So I had gone into labor. I was in early labor, Mm -hmm. but then I was given a stretch and sweep to kind of push things along. But I actually didn't know what a stretch and sweep was. So as she's doing it, I was like, what the hell is that? Mm. But, yeah, that sped things along. I gave birth 12 hours after that, actually. Okay. And uh, besides the stretch and sweep, were there any other interventions? I, I went in so I went in because I was like, I'm definitely in labor. Mm-hmm. Um, I went in, they gave me the stretch and sweep. I went home. I came back at 6 a.m. and they were like, you're not in labor. And then I was like, mm, I definitely am. Yeah. And then I, um, I stayed, I think it was about 9 o'clock. I'd already had some, oh, my gosh, I'd had penadine fort, some endone. I'd had some morphine. And I was like to them, I'm in labor. Mm. I was like, can you please just check me? She was like, sure. I was six centimetres. They're like, yeah, yeah, you're actually in labour. And I was like, I've been telling you guys this for a few hours. From, I would say, like, from the first tiny little baby labour pains to giving birth, there was only 24 hours. But from when the pain really began to when she uh, arrived, only, I think that was probably from 5 a.m. and she was at 12.38. Yeah, right. Okay. And how did you feel after that experience? To be honest, looking back, I thought I felt great, but really I had lots of trouble connect, like connecting. It took me about three days to be able to be like, this is a real baby that is my baby. And mm. I would just kind of stare at her and be like, this is so weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it did take about three days. And I kept thinking to myself, like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. Like, you know, you, you hear those stories. I was like, oh, my God, I loved my child from the first moment I saw it. And it's not what I felt. And I was like, this is this is wrong. Mm. And I didn't have immediate skin to skin. They took her straight from me. I remember telling them, um, you know, well, why are you taking my baby? And they were like, you know, we, we need to, we need to um, like suction her and things. Again, wish I knew that she would have stayed on me for that. So they cut the cord and they took her. They did bring her back relatively quickly. But I still remember going, I'm not, like, because I had had so much pain meds, I was, like, very out of it. So I was, like, I really didn't know what was happening. Mm. From what I can remember from that labour, it's very, like, I was asleep, I was awake. I was asleep, I was awake. Like, Mm -hmm. 
I remember they had to turn down my gas because I was like, no, no, it's nap time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. So at what point did you decide to go back for baby number two? Again, I did not decide. It was unplanned again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what point did the universe decide that you were having another baby? (laughs) Um, So... Uh, first baby is 2015. This baby was born 2021. So it's mm-hmm. what, like six years. Um, so with my second one, I actually, so I have a PCOS. Mm-hmm. So I had gone into the doctors to get some, um, birth control. I was like, yeah, definitely. I'm going to get some birth control. That's a good idea. So I went in, I was already two weeks late for my period, but that wasn't, that wasn't abnormal for me. Mm-hmm. I said to the doctor, let's just do a pregnancy test just in case. Came back negative. She was like, okay, here's your script for the pill. She's like, um, start taking it, obviously, once your, your cycle comes back. And I was like, beautiful. And then she was like, and I'm going to give you um, a form to go get your, like, ovary scan for my PCOS. Beautiful. Okay, let's do that. I go there. So I've got a negative test already. I go to an ultrasound. They see no baby in there. So, again, I'm like, okay, obviously I'm not pregnant. The lady was like, yeah, you're your lining looks like, you know, nice and thick, like you'll probably have your period soon. I was like, beautiful. And then I think maybe like another five weeks passed and I said to my mom, mom, I still haven't gotten my period. She's like, would you take a test? I was like, what for? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I've just gone and done an ultrasound. I've just, yeah, you know, and I was so sick. Like, unbelievably sick. Were you sick with your first girl? No, (laughs) not at all. This baby, I was so sick. But, again, I was like, oh, maybe I'm just tired. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Honestly, I think I could have made up every excuse under the sun for why I felt so unwell. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, you just had an ultrasound, so of course. Exactly. Wild. So, I think, oh, I was like, I felt really alone. My mum was like, just take a test. And I was like, okay. You know, as you do, like, okay, mum. Yeah. Um, so I took one and the first line came straight away. And immediately I was like, that's really weird. Like, because I hadn't taken one in a very long time. I was like, I don't know how these work. I was like, that's weird. And then, I, the, you know, the pin dropped and I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I'm pregnant. So then I took seven and digital as well because yeah. it was, you know, three plus and I was like this is really strange so I booked in to get my blood done and obviously my HCG was quite high and they were like oh maybe it's twins because I'm thinking I've conceived after this ultrasound I'm thinking maybe I'm like five weeks along or something but the the bloods weren't matching that so I was like that's really strange so I did the ultrasound. They're like, yes, you're eight weeks and nine days. Oh, wow. So I, so I skipped out on almost the whole first trimester. Oh, my gosh. So how did they not pick that up? <laughs> was it just because you were so early? Yeah, so I would have only been like a couple of weeks along. And when I had um, taken that pregnancy test, I would have only just conceived. And it would have it, my period was just late. Yeah. So they get kind of all the way it all worked. I think if I had not taken that pregnancy test, I truly believe – I would have probably felt her move and been like, mm, maybe I need to poop. I think that's gas bubbles. <laughs> so were you excited or just in complete shock? I was shocked yeah. because I was like not expecting that. Like mm. I had gone in there for birth control, wow. you know, <laughs> so I, I, I knew that I did want another one, but obviously just not yet. But, you know, obviously like things just happen and yeah. truly best thing ever, but it definitely was. <laughs> such a shock 
So was there anything during this pregnancy that you did to sort of ready yourself for birth? So I'm actually very lucky. My mum is a RN and she's a student midwife and her um, her bestie and her business partner is also RN and a student midwife. So I had them to support me, which is really great. And my mum for my, like for a present while I was um, pregnant, she bought me a calm birth course, like uh, at 33 weeks. So that prepared me immensely mm-hmm. um and I love everything birth so so I was like I did feel really really prepared but I do feel like calm birth definitely helped me so 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 much yeah they're amazing those courses and what model of care did you choose this time around um so I got 33 weeks but um I just was at a public hospital I always get confused on the model of care but I was seeing uh, the same midwife every week, but that midwife wasn't in the room when I labored. Yeah, okay. you know, obviously due to COVID, there was random times where I'd have a different midwife because, you know, everyone had COVID sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it was it was fairly good to just have the same one. Mm-hmm. And birthing during COVID, you would have had, I'm guessing, restrictions around who you had in the room. Is that right? It was actually quite unfair without naming hospitals. Um, most hospitals had already um, changed the restrictions to two people, mm-hmm. but the hospital that I birthed at still hadn't um, been brought up to speed and changed their policies to align. So I was only able to have one person, which it broke my heart because my mum walked me up to the room while my partner parked the car. Mm-hmm. So my mum's in there and then they said she had to leave. And my partner even said, he's like, you looked so heartbroken. I was willing to leave the room just so your mum could be there because I was like I just didn't want my mum to leave because she was like my rock my entire labour like you know how you have like that point of like like true north like you know when you're in the sea you have that like that one star that you know you that's your direction she was that for me during my labour so for her to leave absolutely broke my heart oh you poor thing should we backtrack to that first sign of labour yeah, def- <laughs> definitely. Um, so with my, with my second, um, I so I clean my house every night before I go to bed, every single night. But this night I had a friend over. Um, I had done, you know, the miles circuit on YouTube. I'm like, you know, baby will come when she's ready, but, like, let's just see. So I did that. I got into bed at probably about – I think it was at three o'clock, which quite late. And I didn't clean my house this night either because I was like, no, I'm going to go to bed. Treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so I wake up at 3.30 with this strange sensation of like, why am I awake? And then I felt this pop. I was like, Daddy, what is that? So I hop up out of bed and I realise it's my waters. And I quickly, because I have a rug right next to my bed, so I quickly, you know, waddle out into the kitchen because I'm like, no, no, not today. Sorry, how far along were you? I was... 39 plus 4. Okay, yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's my waters. And my partner does night shifts. So he wasn't home. It's just me and my six-year-old. So first I called him and I was like, listen, my waters have just popped, you know. um, No need to rush home. You know, this isn't, this is like, you know, first sign, but that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I called my mom and mom was like, okay, babe, have a shower and go to bed. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, you know, try to stay relaxed like obviously you know you don't want all your adrenaline to pump so I was like yeah sure mum I showered and then cleaned my dishes and then I I called the hospital because they had said that I was dubious positive but obviously we know that it's a transient bacteria so I was like I told the doctor I'm I hear what you're saying but I'm also going to be having a swab in labor because I don't want the antibiotics I don't need them Mm -hmm. 
And he was happy for that, obviously. Yeah, he was happy. So I went in there for a swab and because my waters looked a little bit off-coloured, but I wasn't too sure. So my partner came home and then I headed over to the hospital probably at about maybe 6 Mm a.m. And then they did my swab. They... um, five people checked my waters and none of them could tell me whether or not it was meconium so they were all we're not too sure and I was like okay um we did some fetal monitoring until about 8 30 when a nurse came in and told me oh we're just going to induce you at 10 oh okay and I was like sorry (laughs) she said yeah I, I can't really remember what she said I think it was something along the lines of someone else was getting induced so it was just kind of easy for them to induce me as well because I hadn't gone into labor yet, even though it was only 8.30 and my waters popped at 3.30. Crazy. And I was like, so she walked out of the room. I called um, someone very close to me and I cried and I said to them, you know, no, like this isn't what I want. You know, I don't understand. And this person said to me, like, you know, be intuitive. Like what, what feels right to you? You know, use what are the risks? What are the benefits? what feels good like what do you want to do Mm. and I said to the nurse can I please speak to the doctor and I spoke to the doctor and I said to her listen I understand that you guys want to induce me but you haven't given my body time to do what it needs to do I was like so I'd like to go home and they were like well we can't just let you go home you're gonna have to sign out and I was like I was really scared but I said okay and I signed out I knew the risks because she told me the risks multiple times that, you know, there's a big chance my baby's going to die and that I could have a stillborn um, to come back if I don't feel any movement. So I'm there going, I feel it in my bones. I'm being intuitive. This is the best thing for me. Mm. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, I don't want to be a statistic. But I powered on and I left. (laughs) Then I called my mum. I was like, hey, mum, just updating her what happened. Um, I was like, I'm just going to stop and get a coffee and some donuts. <laughs> Do you want anything? So I went and bought some coffee and donuts. The, the staff at my local cafe are like, oh, when's baby coming? And I'm telling them probably probably today, sometime soon maybe. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, mm-hmm, I'm in labour. <laughs> and then I, I came home. So my partner obviously had been at night shift, so he was asleep. Um, my eldest was asleep. I think this was about... 9 30 10 o'clock and so I came home I'm just pottering around the house I popped on my diffuser with my clary sage oil I popped on um, a playlist I just like started pottering around packing my daughter's bag to go stay with my mum and then one of my friends called me and I was just chatting to her for probably about five minutes and then I said to her, I've actually got to go because like I'm starting to become like out of breath with these like because my contractions had only just started and then I was like, yeah, I've got to go. So then I, my daughter woke up, so she was helping me pack her bag, and then they started to really kick off. And I was like, oh, okay, like, this is a bit much. And then I called my mum, and I said, oh, mum, like, you know, have you, because my mum lives out in Penrith, and I'm out um, near Maryland, so it's about a 40-minute drive, mm-hmm. like, up the M4. So I said to my mum, have you left yet? And she's like, yeah, I've left now. I was like, okay, good, because, like, something's happening. Um, and then I remember so I, the contractions, like, really started to kick off. So I'm doing my makeup, eating pineapple, drinking my cold water, 
you know, just trying to chill out as much as I can. My mum gets there maybe at 10.30, 10.40 and I'm standing at the door. I'm like, mum, they're lasting 20 seconds and they're coming every minute. And she looks at me and she's like, come, come inside and lay down. <laughs> Let me feel your belly. <laughs> And then she's like, oh, babe, they, you know, they're lasting every minute, but you're just feeling the peak. She's like, but you're definitely in labor. She's like, why don't we pop your TENS machine on? I was like, good idea. Did that. Um, my sister's there as well. So I'm just on the exercise ball. You know, it's it's really kicked off at this point. Like at the entire time, I'm just saying to my mom, I'm scared. Like I'm scared. I'm scared. You know, I can't feel her move. And my mum kept telling me, babe, you're in labour. You're not going to feel your baby move. Mm. So I'm downing like half a pineapple to try and make my like my baby move. Even though my mum's explaining to me like you're in active labour right now. Like, you know, it's okay. But she kept telling me I'm in control. When I feel it's time to go back to the hospital, then we're, we're on our way. Like the entire time she was like – it was really great. Like I felt so intuitive. Like she was really supporting me in that sort of like yeah. that sort of way. Can I just quickly ask, is that fear that was rising up in you from the comments that were made to you earlier? Yeah, definitely. I was like, cause I'm a very stubborn person. I am unbelievably stubborn and I'm always worried that my stubbornness will be my downfall. So I was there like, even though I feel this is right, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm a statistic? Yeah. In my head, I'm like, it's, everything's going to be my fault. Like, if I have a stillborn, it's going to be my fault. At the same time, I had my mum there telling me, you know, you are in control. Like, what you want to do is exactly what we're going to do. And I knew, I could feel it in my bones that everything was okay. Yeah. I had my awesome TENS machine on, which, like, helped me so much through labour. It was so good. The worst part was I'm like, you know, it's got a boost button so my partner's thinking he's turning on the boost but he's turning it off oh. and at one point I turned to him my mum always laughs about it and I turned to him and I was like I will end you <laughs> but yeah no so like um labor went from nothing to you know one minute contractions one minute apart pretty quickly and it kind of stayed quite consistent they didn't really they stayed in that pattern like that it was pretty intense I had my Clary Sage bottle that didn't leave my hand after a bit because I was just there like each contraction, I'd press the boost button and then just sniff my oil. Um, and then it got to probably, so, so let's say labor started at 10.30, it got to about probably 11.30 and I was saying to my mum, like, I think it's time. Um, I think it's time to go. Like, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Like, I was just too scared. It wasn't even the pain. I was just really scared. And my mum said, Okay, yep, definitely let's go. But I think she could see that baby was like, it was near, like labor was definitely near. And she said to me, you know, do, do you feel any pressure? Do you feel like she's like, you know, is she going to come? Um, and I was like, no, no, let's go. Um, and then we headed out. And as I'm trying to, my daughter always laughs. As I'm trying to head out the door, these contractions are just hitting me. And I'm like squawking because I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I'm trying to get in the car, but the pressure was so intense. And my mum said to me, she was like, Kira, you either need to get in this car or you need to get back in that house because your baby is coming. And I was like, okay, mum, let's get in the car. The, the drive from my house to the hospital is usually about eight minutes. Nice and close. We left at like almost 12, I believe. But we got every single bloody red light you could mm. ever freaking imagine. <laughs> 
And I'm like, surely not. Towards the end, we're about to approach the hospital. I can't even sit on my bum anymore because the pressure is unreal. Mm. And my mum was like, Kira, do you need to stop the car? I was like, "Mm -mm, (laughs) nope. I'm like, no, no. I'm like, I'm holding this baby in. Like, this is not happening. No. (laughs) She's like, okay. She's like, but if you need to, you know. I was like, okay. Wait, my partner's like, oh, let me just find parking. I was like, stop the car at the front of the hospital I was like I'm getting out my mum quickly jumped out with me um at the front of the hospital they're like excuse me can you check in and my mum was like she's about to have a baby and they're like okay go 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 because like at this point like I'm huffing and puffing and my contractions are coming I get up to birth unit again they're trying to like chat to me and then again I like they saw I let out this god-awful screech and everyone came rushing because they were like okay yeah this woman's just about to have her baby so my partner's parking the car. My mum takes me into the room. And then um, at this point, I'm waiting for, like, my partner to come. And I'm telling my mum, like, baby's coming. Like, he needs to get here now. Like, because at this point, I felt like I was practically holding her in. Mm. And then um, my mum my was, like, telling me, you know, he's coming, he's coming. And then I think at this point, oh, a, a midwife had come in and was like, do you want to lie on the bed? And I was like, No. Um, and then at this point I hit transition and I'm saying to my mom, I can't do this. I'm scared. I remember like, I, I wouldn't say screamed, but like low level screamed at her that I was so scared. Mm. And she was like, I remember she was like, you are a queen. You have got this. You are going to birth your baby. It was the best, best pep talk ever. Like she's amazing. And then, um, obviously she knows how the hospital beds work. So she, Walks over to the hospital bed. She puts the back up for me because she knows there's no way in the freaking laws I'm getting on that bed <laughs> on my back. And then um, I literally, I my partner walks in and I was like, yep, off come my clothes. I'm like, it is time to birth this baby. So we arrived at the hospital at 12.08. And then I'm hopping the bed. Um, they've popped the fetal measuring on. And they've asked my mom to leave. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, heartbroken, obviously. And then the pushing started. And I just, like, I needed to push. I needed to push. And then I have a midwife telling me, um, do you want me to check you? And I was like, I'm pushing. And just before my mum left, she gave me the most valuable piece of advice that she's ever given me, ever. She said to me, Kira, go inside your head. She's like, ignore everyone else in this room and just go inside yourself. And that's exactly what I did. I closed my eyes. And to me, I wasn't even there anymore. Like, it was like only me in the room. I can hear everyone, but I refuse to open my eyes. I'm not acknowledging anyone. So I'm pushing. I think the only time I acknowledged anyone was to tell my partner to not look because I'm pooping. (laughs) And I was like, do not look. He was like, the only time he looked at me was to look me dead in the eye and tell me, do not look. Um, And then... Yeah, so I think, yep, so I arrived there at 12.08. I think just before, maybe two pushes before my daughter arrived, I heard a nurse say, oh, she's gone back up. And I was like, not on my watch. I pushed with all my might and I was like, this baby is coming. And she arrived at 12.30. We were only there for 22 minutes from start to finish and she arrived. Well done, Mama. And any tearing from pushing? Absolutely no tearing, only slight grazes, okay, no awesome. tearing. It was it was really, really, really good. Um, I wanted late cord clamping, but my daughter's cord was really short and snapped. 
it was like a blood scene. I was like, because I lifted her up like onto me and then it just snapped. And I just remember blood going everywhere. It was like being off like Dexter or something. <laughs> I'm looking at my partner and he's covered in like splatter. And I was like, no, like, sorry. <laughs> I've only had a couple of stories where the cord has snapped. So is that because baby comes out fast or is it just simply? No, her cord was just, her cord was just very just short. Yeah, Cause okay. even like what was left over on her belly and then what was left over on the placenta, wasn't very long like it was just a very short cord right was not expecting up like oh no so did they leave her on your belly after that or was she taken away nope so (laughs) my mum knew exactly what I wanted um before she left she reminded them everything I wanted because I had done a birth map a very detailed almost essay-like birth map before I gave birth and my mum had seen it so she reminded them and as I was like you know um I'd just given birth I told them okay you can, basically you can go I'll I'll buzz you guys when you can come back in and she yeah so I tried to pop her on my breast but she was just she just didn't she wasn't ready to latch yet so she went on her dad and as soon as she went on him she was silent just snuggling up to him mm. and then obviously for the breastfeeding relationship I was like give me back my baby mm. so I popped her back on and she fed for probably I would say like an hour and it was just it was amazing and it was just oh it was just a perfect golden hour and then yeah when when it was time I told you you come back in and wait her now and stuff like it's fine (laughs) yeah love that so what about your bonding experience this time around was that different for you oh it makes me so emotional when I think about it Mm. um because so I so my mum's actually my foster mum and I actually grew up in foster care but I've known my mum my foster mum since I was five so I've had a oh so I didn't live with her the entire time I've lived in like a multitude of different homes so I've always struggled with connection Mm. and I was always like you know like maybe it's just not me like maybe that type of like intense love at first sight I just never felt it but when I saw my daughter I was like this is it I get so emotional I was like this is this is the feeling that everyone talks about like I'm human this is this is how everyone's supposed to feel and it was the most healing experience because I had spent 24 years of my life feeling like not an outsider but you know I just felt like I didn't connect the way people do and feeling that feeling I was like I'm I'm human. I'm normal. This is my baby. It was mm. literally the most healing experience in my 20, well, I'm 25 now, but in my 24 years of life, so bloody healing. It was insane. Oh, I'm going to cry. That's so beautiful. <laughs> and it's amazing that like, it's an experience like that. Like you would never expect that, you know, the feeling like it's just, I felt normal. Yeah. is a relative term. It was just so so healing and then I feel like that really helps like the breastfeeding relationship the the bonding the everything it was like I'm looking at her going you are the greatest thing I have ever seen in my life like obviously besides my first one but this was the first immediate feeling and I was like I didn't have that with my first like eventually I did after three days but not immediately yeah because you were basically asleep during your first labor so a lot of that hormonal flow would have been interrupted which we know can affect bonding with Bob yeah definitely because the only pain med I forgot to add the only pain med I had was um the gas 
But I do believe the only reason I really needed that was because I just needed big, deep breaths. They could have turned it off. Yeah. And, like, all I needed – because I remember saying, like, can you give me the gas? Like, I feel like – because I have anxiety. So I was like, I feel like I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gas is kind of like those big, deep, like, into your diaphragm breaths. Like, that's what helped me. So I definitely think that's why my labor was the way it was because I went home. I was intuitive. I always say, like, I labored in love. Like, mm-hmm. I was in – the most comfortable place I had my mum with me it's just very different because with my first I was in a very unhappy relationship I was only 17 was 18 I didn't I didn't I didn't labor in love I didn't have that support but this birth I had all of that and I got to feel all of that and I think my body was just very in tune with it and it was just it was just fabulous (laughs) oh I'm so happy for you what about your placenta? What was that experience like? Oh, I loved my placenta. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't have a physiological third stage. I, I'm pretty sure I didn't. I don't think I did. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure I got the syntosin. Yeah, I would expect that with the cord snapping. Yeah. They would definitely they, want to manage that. Definitely. So um, placenta came out quite smoothly. It wasn't um, – they didn't even have to full massage me too, too much, which was good. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Because I remember with my first, I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I am not a piece of dough. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so true. Um, yeah, so placenta was born, uh, like, she was born, placenta was born, um, and I kept my placenta, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, So I went and I bought, I went looking, so my daughter, uh, my daughter's name is Elif Rose. Oh, beautiful. Um, and I went to the, like, to Bunnings, and I was like, I'm going to find the rose. Like, this is just the rose for her. The one I found was, it's called A Mother's Love. It's pink and it supports the ABA. And I was like, oh, if that's not meant to be, I'm not sure what is. So I, I, at first I planted just the placenta into the soil because obviously they're quite nutrient dense. So I was like, if I plant, you know, um, I was like, you know, I'll wait. So at the end of my fourth trimester, I planted the rose on top of the placenta. So now her rose is at the front of my house and beautiful her rose has given me i think about five five roses they're so beautiful i just love it i it was very very sad because i was like i'm saying bye to my fourth trimester like i'm not ready but at the same time i was like i was given such a beautiful fourth trimester that Mm. it was okay like i was definitely it was time yeah yeah life is just a season yeah exactly and your postpartum this time around has it been a different experience for you um so this once again I'm very stubborn (laughs) so I thought I could do absolutely everything so by day three I'm like something's wrong my back is hurting um my pelvic floor something feels wrong so I was like on day nine I called the public physio and I said something's really wrong and they were like, mm, come back in six weeks, it's fine. So I actually booked in with an amazing physio at three weeks postpartum. And I had misaligned some of the um, muscles in my body. So I was leaning to one side and it was absolutely excruciating. And I said to her about my pelvic floor issues and she was like, yes, you know, definitely there's something going on. And I just felt so good because I had been gaslit previously. And so like, you know, it's completely normal. But after that, like, so after, you know, I'd been working with a physio, my postpartum was really good. Like, our breastfeeding relationship, it was really, really good. I did go see an IBCLC at three weeks because um, I did need some help just with, like, latching. But the way I see it, like, if you're sick, you go to a doctor. If your car needs a service, you go to a mechanic. 
they're the best pe- people to go to. Yeah. And I had breastfed my first for 2.9 years. So I thought, Amazing. oh, yeah, like, this is going to be a piece of cake. Like, I've got this. But in fact, I did need that little bit of help. And that's what was amazing. I feel like my body kind of, in the worst way possible, kind of just humbled me. It was like, you know, you don't need to do everything. Like, sit yeah. down. I think for the first six weeks, all I did was watch Chicago Med <laughs> and breastfeed and hug my baby. It's my favourite season of life, being stuck at home with a newborn. <laughs> Honestly, I absolutely loved it. They're like, because yeah. it's only, it's just, it's a small season of life and it's just so beautiful. Yeah, it's over way too fast. It really is. I blinked and that was it. Mm. And so was this experience what sort of pushed you down the path to become a postpartum doula? Definitely. So I remember, so originally I wanted to do MIDI with my mum, but I just, I never, I never went into it. I ended up going into social work instead. And then I remember saying to my mum, Probably last year I said, oh, mum, I really want to be a part of the birth space, but I just don't currently align with midwifery. I was like, what do I do? And she was like, be a doula. Mm. She was like, that will be perfect for you. And at first I wanted to be a, a birth, um, be in the birth space. But then because my daughter's so young, I was like, no, um, being a postpartum doula is probably you know, much better. And it's like, realistically, I actually love postpartum. And I just think everyone should have the most beautiful postpartum because it's just everyone deserves to feel, you know, secure, supported, because we're, we're trying to form secure attachments with our baby. And how can we do that if we're not feeling secure and attached ourselves yes oh my gosh so true so skipping to the future now if you decide to have another baby is there anything you would do differently for that birth um well I'm hoping so so I I have been diagnosed with a prolapse okay so I am my physio is like she thinks I can do it so I think possibly baby number three Mm -hmm. um I am hoping for a home birth this time because this time I'm really hoping for the fetal ejection reflex yeah okay um (laughs) (laughs) so I'm hoping for that and I want to surprise baby gender this time Mm -hmm. so if we have baby number three um yeah that's it that's everything that I want I just want all of that and I know that obviously birth doesn't always go the way it the way you plan it but I do hope that next time you know again it will be Although it's in a hospital, I still had quieter, you know, natural birth. Like to my, to my, like to how I wanted it, I think. Yeah. So I'm definitely hoping that, um, you know, if I do have another hospital birth, like if I have to transfer, that I can still have it that sort of way. Yeah. I really give so much credit to you, though, for making that decision to go home and get yourself into really established labor before heading back in. Because had you succumbed to any of the fears that were projected onto you, you could have had a completely different outcome. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I always say. My birth, if I think that, like, obviously, Induction has a time and a place, of, of course. Of course, yeah. But there was no time nor place for me in that induction. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Mm-hmm. But I think that if I'd had an induction, I think it would have gone very, very differently. Because, so my entire pregnancy as well, because um, I have a higher BMI, because I'm five foot, like I'm tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the entire time they're like, you know, oh, you're a bit, you know, oh, you're higher risk than most, you know, because I have a higher BMI. And um, they're like, mm, yeah, nah. Sure. 
So um, next time, if like obviously I'm gonna have antenatal care at the hospital. Next time I'm gonna be like, ah, uh, you even if I'm a lower weight, no, you're not weighing me. Yeah. Actually, because there's 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 no need for you to do that. Like, I definitely feel next time. I want to be way more in control of those sorts of things. Like they wanted extra growth scans and all of this because because I'm weight, I'm going to have a big baby. And then towards the end it was, oh, you're going to have a small baby. And then I was like, what? Like is it just whatever suits your agenda? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so next next time I, I'm hoping to be a lot more in control of like my antenatal care because, again, now I know, you know, I don't need to – I don't need to get weighed every time because what does that actually add to my care? Absolutely nothing. Mm. And a lot of the time, the things that they want you to like being weighed every week, that genuinely it's the start of the interventions before you even step into your labor room. Yes. So true. You hit the nail on the head there. So taking in all of your experiences, what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there? Okay. I feel like it's super cliche but trust your body. We are so intuitive. You're a mother before your baby is born and you already have those protective instincts. Trust your body. We know how to birth our babies. We've been doing it for a very long time. And that you can, you don't have to say yes to everything. But if you do say yes, that's fine. As long as you know benefits, risks, all of that, like, That's fine. And that, oh, I've got so many advice. And that a perfect birth is relative to you. It's what you think it is and it's how you want it to be. Yeah. It's not the same as everyone else. Because for some people, an epidural is what they want. For some people, no pain meds. Some people want an elective cesarean. It's, mm. it's whatever is perfect and best for you and your family. Because at the end of the day, your baby, your birth experience, you want it to be perfect for you, not anyone else. Mm. Well, like I hear so many horror stories of these women having really traumatic births and then they're just sent home with their baby and that's it. You, what, you go back at six weeks for the doctor to tell you you can have sex again. Yeah. That's about it. And I do feel like the narrative is starting to slowly change. There's more talks of postnatal depression, anxiety, psychosis. Because mm-hmm. I know even for myself, I've I've had anxiety almost my entire life and I have season of depression and I know for me that um, there were times during that first, you know, that first 16 weeks where I was like, oh, no. Mm. oh no like she's coming back like you know my depression is rearing her ugly head and it was really hard for me because I was like I've had this beautiful birth and I'm on a birth high this is pure euphoria and then to be brought back down to earth with these feelings of like just sadness and dread I was like oh no but again I was just you know I had to remind myself that these feelings ebb and flow and that you know if I need help there is no shame in going and getting that help because you know it's it's so bloody important yeah it is it really is but we so easily forget these aspects of motherhood and taking care of ourselves because you know, we've got babies to look after. So it's such a common thing for mothers to put themselves last. But really, we need to be up high on that list so that we can perform at our best for our babies, you know? Definitely. And that's like, I feel like, again, that's a pressure from society that like mm. we have to just become one with our babies. But no, you are your own person. You deserve downtime. You don't have to have this pressure of, I have to be switched on 24-7 for my baby. Like, 
No. (laughs) Oh, it's been so beautiful chatting with you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. That brings us to the end of today's show, everyone. Oh my gosh, did anyone else get so overwhelmed with emotion when she started talking about the healing aspect her birth had on her? I just, oh, every time I hear these types of stories, it just reiterates to me the power of a positive birth experience. One of the take-homes for me this episode, if you are choosing to birth in the hospital, but you are wanting to birth as naturally as possible, staying in your home, in your safe environment until you are well and truly in established labor is going to help you tremendously avoid any interventions that are presented to you on arrival. You wanna be getting to the hospital when there is literally nothing else for you to do but birth your baby. It also allows those beautiful hormones to flood your body, which will optimize bonding and so much more. If you do have any interventions though, like Kira did with her first birth, lots and lots of naked skin to skin is a quick fire way to activate those hormones that were interrupted during your labor. I hope you all enjoyed this beautiful mama's journey. Let me know what you think over on the PBA Instagram and I'll see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.